It's derby time. Come on, tell your friends. We'll go to many distant lands with Dan the coach and Jackie the skater. The fun will never end. It's derby time. Welcome to the Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby Podcast. This is Jackie Bauer. Thank you for joining us today on the path to becoming better athletes, teammates, leaders, and human beings. I say us because today is the return of Coach Dan. Hi. Hi, Coach Dan. Hi. Hi there. How you doing? How are you? Hello, everybody. <laughs> doing good. What's going on with you? Oh, yeah, having a podcast. Probably have things to say. Yeah, we do. We have plenty of things to say. And before I get to this week's episode, I want to give you a little preview of what I want to do for next week's episode. So you may have heard a few times in the ads that Anchor has voice messages. I kind of want to try something where we use them because uh, I've had some requests of people wanting to hear about bout day rituals, bout day prep. What do you do on bout day to feel ready to get excited? And I have a lot of ideas of stuff I do and some maybe recommendations, but I'm really curious to hear what other people do too, because I think it could be really fun and just, I don't know, interesting. So I'd like to invite you sometime in the next week to use Anchor voice messages. There's a link in the show notes and you can leave up to a one minute voicemail. So maybe practice what you want to say first so it can be concise. Maybe just tell me the best things you do about day to feel ready. And if for any reason it doesn't work or you don't want to leave a voicemail, you can also email me at powerforthwhistle at gmail.com or send a DM on any of the social stuff. So that's next week. Let's talk about this week. This week, we are doing a a big topic. Seven ways to lose your team's trust. Yes. But also, we're going to flip that. And with each thing, we're going to see, okay, this is the way you lose the team's trust. What's the way you can... Flip that into a good thing. How do you gain the team's trust? Mm-hmm. How do you be the trustworthy person your team needs? So this is mostly a coaching tool, but I think this also can apply to um, a lot of leaders in your league, captains, anyone voted upon for some sort of leadership position. A lot of these can have um, applications for other people, but we're mostly going to talk about it in terms of a coach. Also, there's... I would say any skater might come to a realization that something has happened to their relationship with their coach or captain, and they might have trouble identifying what happened to that relationship, why they're frustrated or why something feels disconnected. And maybe putting a, maybe being able to identify what happened can help. Yeah. Especially if you hear the flip side and maybe you get some ideas on how to repair the relationship because I don't believe anyone is a lost cause. Sometimes it seems like pushing the person out is the only way to deal with a problem. But I think a lot of people, given the opportunity, can learn 
from mistakes can learn and come back and be better. Maybe they just need to take a brief hiatus and then come back. <laughs> but mostly at Power Through the Fourth Whistle here, we believe in being optimistic, believing the best in people, and that everyone can be their best selves, especially if they get some ideas on how to go that way. Yeah, all that is written on the sign outside the door that says, this is the power through the fourth whistle <laughs> office. All that is part in the slogan. We're in your office. There's dragons in here. <laughs> you can have both. <laughs> Let's all believe we're in an amazing power through the fourth whistle roller derby podcast office. There are amazing skaters on the walls everywhere. All of our idols. There's probably disco lights. It's you know, it's just gotta, gotta have the laser beams. Okay, there's laser beams in this room. There's a smoke machine. Um, all the things that would make it extra cool. Yeah, obviously. Because that's what makes things cool, right? Yes, and entrance music, which we have. Yeah, we have entrance music, so we're already, like, most tangent. of the way there. We're already tangent. Okay, <laughs> so we've got seven big bullet points. No, wait, one, two, yeah, let's say seven. We're going to go with seven. It's definitely seven. We already said seven, seven times at least. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so you want to start this with saying like one on one hand, like what, what somebody can do wrong and then kind of the opposite side of what that looks like when somebody's doing something right. Yes. Yes. Right. So Point number one, the first way you lose your team's trust is lying or dishonesty. So this can take the form of well, anything that's a lie and people can find out that it's not true. That fractures the trust very mm. quickly. Um, it can be lying about what someone said to you, lying about what a skater wants, uh, lying about a conversation, any conversation you had, text message you received, um, thing you witnessed, any of that can really hurt the team's trust in you. When when I think of this one, I think of a, a team member in the business. Uh, I think of a woman, Kristen, who I met very early on in my life, who was direct enough to tell me I hate liars. Like she said it just like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I recognized that any time in the workplace that she caught somebody lying was like, she held on to that and was resentful of that 10 times more than whatever the like bad yeah. news that they, the lie was meant to cover up would have, would have yeah. uh, saved somebody from like admitting they were wrong or just admitting they made a mistake. If she catches them lying, it's so much worse. Yeah, I have no problem with you making a mistake if if you can admit this was a mistake. I'm sorry. I'm going to learn from it and do better from now on. Then I'm like, yeah, you're you're a human being. You're on a journey trying to find your own growth, like path to greatness here, be the best you can be. I understand that there's going to be mistakes along the way, some stumbles, and if you admit to that and say you're going to learn from it, I respect you more. But if you just lie about it or maybe don't admit you ever made a mistake, then I'm going to have a problem with you. So where is that going to come up in roller derby? Well, um, I guess an example could be um, if you fib and help a skater pass their laps that didn't quite get them. 
that could be an example of lying. If you tell other people, oh, yeah, it was 27 laps, but maybe it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And that hurts the skater you're helping as well, whether they were aware of it or not. It's going to hurt them in the long run. Yeah, and it can hurt your reputation with the team. That's more of that's definitely an integrity issue of saying somebody did something that they didn't. How about like as far as like communicating with your players, with your captains, with your teammates, things like that? Um, yeah, um, if you reach out to a skater and they tell you something, and then you report to other people that they told you the opposite thing. No, this is what they really want. And then someone goes and checks with that skater and says, no, I don't want that at all. <laughs> mm. uh, okay. So basically any time that you pretty much avoid the truth, even if you think it's for good reasons, you know, there's, there's debate over white lies and things like that. Um, in my personal experience, honesty is the only thing that's uh, a real option. I'm often careful what I say to blend honesty with the best message that I can present in something. Um, so sometimes the truth is brutal. But if you go to somebody and you tell them, um, you didn't make this roster because your crossovers aren't good enough. But the truth is you didn't make this roster because these players didn't really trust you to play this part. Then it's the wrong you gave the person the wrong information uh and they'll be focused on the wrong things and if they hear later that you know whether or not they can do a good crossover had nothing to do with it that it's really an issue that they have with other players then they don't believe what you said anymore so like i i see the uh, the lying and dishonesty thing completely different than i think skaters will ever really understand most skaters because for me I'm often relaying information from within a very small group and there's a lot of room for not manipulating the truth, but there are different kinds of truths and there's different ways to look at it. And exactly what somebody says to you isn't always exactly what you end up saying to somebody else. So to avoid that, it's like you try to stay as clear as possible and it's, it's pretty tough, especially when you have to talk to another skater. Mm -hmm. uh, but what does the opposite look like? Like when, when, you're, avoid, when you're avoiding a specifically dishonesty, what does that look like? I think that it's just uh, coming forward with information when you have it, when it's the right time to give it. Um, not, not putting things off and acting like you're hiding something from the team. Um, just just being as forthright as possible. Um, not like telling everybody everything, because that could be rather alarmist. Um, but when the team needs to know something, you need to tell the team. And it needs to be an accurate picture of events or whatever. Like, like you're saying, um, if somebody didn't make a roster, you should tell them the reason the right reason they didn't make it so that they can actually work on that and make it better for next time and have a better chance of making the roster next time. Stuff like that. Okay. I think we should move on. Okay. Uh, the next, the second way to lose your team's trust is double standards. So this one is pretty easy to explain. If 
you make something acceptable for one person and not acceptable for another person. If you're saying, um, this is the attendance policy. Everyone has to abide by this attendance policy. But then somebody else shows up and you're like, oh, maybe we can make an exception for you this time and put you on the roster. It sets up a double standard. It's unfair. It makes people lose trust in you. 100%. And that is definitely a situation where when people talk to each other, if they can point out that why is it true for this person, not true for that person, immediately challenges integrity mm -hmm. uh, from any leader, any coach, or any individual. But what does it look like um, when it's done well? What's what's the other side? Because a lot of people can point out a double standard immediately. What they have a much harder time identifying is when they, they think that the standard, so to speak, I'm going to fill in a little bit of the blanks, but they think the standard is we have a rule book and we follow the rules no matter what. Um, I, I think that that borders on just avoiding difficult decisions by defaulting to rules, which mm -hmm. I'm not in favor of necessarily. I think there's a time every, there's always a, a, a time to break the rules uh, to try to do things that are better for it. Um, but as far as that not being a double standard, the, the key to that is you have to have the right reasons and you have to be able to say, I would do that for anyone. Yeah. It has to be a clear reason. It has to be a reason everyone can understand as right now, this is the best thing for the whole team that the rule doesn't make sense right now in this case. And if we can agree on that as a group, like everyone can see that then we can move forward and still continue with trust because everyone sees it and it makes sense. But if it doesn't make sense and it feels like iffy, then that's where the double standard lies. Yeah. And if, especially if you as a coach, just make that call on your own, like in the dark, no reasons, no rationality, because a great, the idea of a great rule is that it can always be followed, never has to be broken. Most of us making bylaws and trying to keep a league organized. We make a lot of bad rules. <laughs> it's just the truth, right? We make rules that there's plenty of real situations where we have to put a, um, where we have to put our team or our players first and we have to make adjustments. But the, the key is don't make it in the dark. Don't, don't be a person who it's all about you. And I made this call cause it was right. And that's the end of discussion. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. All right, before we get to number three, we're going to take a quick break to support the podcast. And we are back. All right. The third way to lose your team's trust. This one is when your words and actions don't match. For example, if you say you love the team, you're all about the team, but maybe you just disappear or no show or it just doesn't seem like you're as committed to the team when the team wants to believe in you and trust in you as a leader, but you just kind of vanish. Mm -hmm. um, so words and actions not matching is in many ways, a, it's a different kind of dishonesty, so to speak. But like everything that you do as a leader in your actions has an opportunity to build trust with the team. Mm -hmm. So as simple as saying that, uh, that you're going to coach and that you're going to be a full-time coach and then coming to practice 
extremely regularly. Even that, even being there, uh, a lot of people say that they don't know how to coach or don't know what they would coach or don't know if they should be a coach. And a lot of it starts with, can you be there? Will you be there? Can you be, be counted upon? And that, that, that's the beginning, you know, um, showing up is the very first and probably most crucial element because I think that there, there probably aren't a lot of leagues missing somebody who would just come to a game and talk to the refs and stand there looking like a coach. I think a lot of teams are missing somebody who will come to practice and actively involve themselves in some kind of a coaching or leadership capacity. And so when we start with showing up and we talk about disappearing, it's like just being an active part of the league when you say that that's what you're going to do. Uh, I, I try to commit to a full season. So when I'm thinking about if I want to coach again next year, which I always do, like every October, it goes through my head, so to speak, as to whether or not I'm going to sign up for another round. And every single time I do think about it in a full like nine ish month commitment, possibly more, and whether or not I am willing to show up uh, this when when things come up that get in the way, I treat it very seriously, because that's where it begins. Now, words and actions not matching. Um, some other examples of that that you can see from a coach anytime. And I've, I've seen this, I've, I've witnessed this myself is coaches that tell a player something because they always want to be the person with the good news. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They always want to tell you what's so great about you and that you're going to be a star and that you're going to have playing time and that you're going to all this, all this have, you know, good stuff to build you up, but it doesn't come through, right? They don't follow through on game day. You don't get that many jams. You don't get off the bench too much, or they say that they're going to use you in this capacity and then they don't. Um, on the other hand, the other side of it, what's mm -hmm. that look like? Uh, the other side of it would be, okay, let's say that um, you normally do show up at practice a lot. Part of like honoring that commitment and being trusted would be if the if there's a day you know you can't be there, letting everyone know in advance and why. Because people, it, it, it's personal information, but sometimes they need to know that there was just something really important so that... They know that, you know, you're also really important to them, but this thing just had to happen. Um, so just letting people know well in advance the days you can't be there so that they'll be even more like, okay, cool, but he's, but this person's going to be here the rest of the time. That's great. Um, and then just obviously honoring the promises that you make. If, if you make a promise to someone that they're going to play in a game, you better find a way to put them in a game. And that's why... As a coach, I believe you're so clear with the types of promises you make when you talk to the team before a game. Sometimes you tell them, hey, I I cannot promise you're going to get playing time in this game because it's a really important sanctioned game and it's against a very tough opponent and you are a newer player to this roster. If I can, I'm going to get you in, but just know in advance it might not happen today and there's a really good reason for it and I want to set you up for success even if they don't like hearing that information, even if that's not fun to say, it's terrible to be the one that has to deliver that information. It's going to be the truth. So they're a little bit more prepared when it happens. If you tell them they're going to play and they don't, then they're going to be a lot more upset than if you prepared them for it in advance. And if they do get to play, they're going to be a lot happier about it, a lot more grateful for the opportunity to go out and prove themselves because they knew 
it might not be a game where they got to play, but coach believed in me and was able to get me in this time. So yeah, coach, coach sees something in me and, and got me in. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to the fourth way. This goes right in with uh, game day quite a bit. Number four is diverging from an agreed upon game plan without clear reason. An example of this could be maybe you set up two lines of blockers before the game. These are the blockers that are going to be playing together. And then you just suddenly change that up and start putting people together in a seemingly random configuration without explaining why to the team, without explaining that this ever would have been a possibility. Maybe they never practiced together and they don't know why this is happening. And you're just kind of like, and now this blocker is going to jam and this jammer is going to block. That freaks players out on game day. They don't know what's happening anymore. They thought they knew what was going to happen, but now everyone's being mixed up. And if they don't feel that there is a good reason why, they really lose trust in you. <laughs> yeah. Tangent alert. Here it comes. You ready? Oh, are you going to tell a story? Is this story time Not with Dan? A little bit, but it, it's, it's to get to a place. Um, so this one... Diverging from the agreed-upon game plan without a clear reason. Two huge things here. One is communication, and the other is trust. Mm -hmm. So there's an important piece in here. An agreed-upon game plan. Did Do you have a game plan, and was it agreed upon? So in the, in the background, yeah, you're laughing. But because this sounds like, oh, wait a minute. How many times have we played a game or gone into a derby adventure or something like that, thought we knew what the game plan was and something else happens. Something changes and stuff just goes crazy. Mm -hmm. It becomes a, a different kind of experience. Um, so the important part that I want to point out is just a practice that I have with my captains that involves, I talk to them before every game, usually days before the game, sometimes the day of the game, usually both. Mm -hmm. And I talk about the game plan. And when I'm talking to them, it's about who do they want to play? Where do we want to play them? How often do we want to play them? Who do we want to play them with? There's always a pretty strong feeling of it's not necessarily that this player is bad and this player is good. It's never that clear cut. It's always shades of gray. Player so-and-so is good next to so-and-so, but she does a very similar role to player so-and-so, so we don't want those two to play together. You see where because I'm going? Because they might just get in each other's way. Yes. Now, if you are a very committed coach, you need to have some idea about this already, but what's probably more important than your personal idea about it is what, how the skaters quite honestly feel about it. Because no matter how smart you think you are, if you put people out there and they feel uncomfortable working together, it will affect gameplay mm -hmm. and it will affect the team chemistry. And they will afterwards wonder why the hell did he start putting us out there like this? We never practice together. And I don't think we have good chemistry together. You know, this is what they'll say mm -hmm. on the sidelines and things like that. So trust, that's the other part. So the first part was communication. We have to communicate what our game plan is. And then if we diverge from it, we have to have a reason. And if you're going to diverge from the game plan, you have to make sure you have the trust to do that. I'm going to tell some coaches something that might just blow your mind. Nobody owes you your tr their, their trust because you're the coach. 
it's not free. Coaching is not the greatest job in the world. You show up and a lot of people believe that now that they've been elected coach or singled out as that person, that now they will get trusted, that now they will get to do what they want, that now they will get to implement their game plan, that now people will listen to them. They treat the title like a crown. Yes. And I'm telling you right now, nobody owes you a thing. Even though you are now the coach, you have to show up and you have to earn that trust every time. And if there is anything that is unclear about that, if there is anything where you're not sure, sometimes you should ask for it. And that's where the story is going to come in because at the most recent game, I had to ask my team for their trust because we were missing, we had to travel. It was in a way bout. Travel pretty far, seven hours. Seven hour drive. Not everybody could make the trip. Some veteran players who we've counted on for years didn't come. We had 11 skaters and five of them were jammers. Yeah. So five jammers <laughs> and six blockers. Okay. Unusual situation. Not a situation the team's been in. Um, when I talked to my captains about who would play, there was a lot of this, well, we will play with so-and-so, but they shouldn't play with so-and-so. And we want to avoid having so-and-so and so-and-so on the track at the same time. And we prefer them to be with so-and-so and so-and-so. There's a lot to juggle. A lot of stuff. So the locker room talk with the team, because I know from experience, it, it sounds like I have all the answers today because we're bouncing questions off each other. And we kind of talked about this ahead of time, but... Uh, I'm in a, I'm in this position because I've made just about every single mistake on this list. I have completely lost my team's trust in the past. I have I've been to that place and I have had to earn it back. When I said that you don't deserve your team's trust, that you have to earn it, I thought I had earned it and I was wrong. I also thought I deserved it and I was wrong. It's a big wake up call. Yeah, big wake up call. And uh the only way to fix that was to show up and keep trying anyway and to show that I could learn and do better. So when I got in front of my team before this game, I said that they should probably revote whether or not they want me to be their coach after the game as a bit of a joke, <laughs> a bit of a joke. But I also wouldn't have blamed them because I said this is going to be a trust exercise. I have listened to your feedback and I watch you skate, and I have ideas about how and where you should play. And the way that this is going to go is I'm going to be pulling people in and out, and I'm probably going to make mistakes, and I'm probably going to have to make changes on the line. I'm often going to say to you on the bench, get ready to go in the next jam, and when the next jam comes, you may start heading out, and I may pull you back. I am not doing that because you suck. I'm not doing that because I don't believe in you. I'm trying to set the team up for success I have in my head the ways that the team wants to accomplish that, and I'm going to be making changes, and there's probably going to be some icky parts, but we're going to figure it out, and I'm and you need to listen to me, and you need to trust me for today. If you can do that, I think we're going to get through this just fine. Did we get through it fine? I'd say we did. We got through it very fine. And uh, some jammers <laughs> even got turns blocking here and there to relieve some of the blockers. <laughs> yes. Um, nobody fouled out. No. Nobody was injured. I don't even nobody, think anyone got close to fouling out. Nobody was dramatically exhausted, I think. No. And all the jammers felt successful and the blockers felt very successful. Right? Yeah. 
And that was one of the most exhausting games I've ever coached because I had to make decisions about who was in the blocking lineup and who was in jamming against which jammers the whole time. It was a strategic approach, but if the team at any point didn't trust that I was trying to follow their game plan to the best of my ability, or didn't trust that if I changed it, I had a good reason, it wouldn't have worked. There would be a lot of little behind the scenes, you know, blah, blah, blah. Why do you do this? Why do you do that? What's he doing? Is he playing God with us? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like that happened. So uh, I'm really proud of that. And that's what it looks like from the other side. If you have to diverge from the game plan, let people know ahead of time. If you know you're going into a situation that is difficult, where you want, where you need your team to trust you, it's okay to ask for it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't stress that enough. I think that the best thing I did in that game wasn't on the track. It was in the locker room when I asked them to trust me so that during the game, there wasn't a clash of any kind. There wasn't a lot of doubt. There was just action. And I think that's the best thing about coaching is when you can just be in it, you can make the call that you believe is right and your players execute it with confidence. Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's the good stuff. And I feel like we had that even though it was a very tough situation. And I think most most games, like not as difficult as the one we just did, but for most games, you do always let us know what the agreed upon game plan is in advance. This is how we're going to set everybody up. This is these are the blockers, the jammers, the rotation. But you also let us know the backup plans. Like if this person actually isn't feeling well enough to play on that day, this person's going to come in instead. If we come into a certain situation, this person might come over to jam, this person might come over to block. So everyone knows in advance if they might be a dual role player, uh, if they might have more playing time, less playing time. They know what can be expected and are often advised to remember to be flexible, but we always know what the possibilities are. <laughs> and on the other side, if you just like suddenly decide maybe blocker so-and-so needs to leave her line and jam because let's just try that. Let's see, mm -hmm. let's see what happens there. And this was never something you even talked about with that person yeah. or her line who's used to having her there with them. Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of things where, especially if you don't really defend it later, if, if later your only reasoning is, eh, I wanted to see what would happen. Mm -hmm. This not a good enough reason. <laughs> there are people, as you say it, on the team who give foxes. Oh, they are givers of foxes. <laughs> and they, and that is not cool with them. That seems like you're just goofing off. And this is not goofing off. Yeah. I'm a giver of fox. <laughs> Side note, that's a new t-shirt design. Um, number five... <laughs> on the ways to lose your team's trust list is questionable motives. We actually came up with several oh examples of this. This um, is a fun one. If we can't figure out why you're here, really, uh, as a coach, like mm -hmm. um, when we're not sure if you actually have the best team's intentions at heart because maybe we start seeing some behavior where we're wondering, are you really here to date? Maybe to try and date a player. Pretty common Someone one. else in the organization. Are you here to make your significant other look good? And just kind of lobby for them? Or are you maybe someone who enjoys telling other people what to do? do are you attracted to power? 
do you maybe fall into the god complex if left unchecked? Or are you here because you need other people to like you? Now, all of these things, there, there are some levels where it's not so bad if it's controlled, but mm, <laughs> it, it can be pretty challenging to trust someone when you're just not sure when stuff like this is going on. The, the key here is do any of these rise to the top? Can somebody point to any of these and say, that's why they're doing what they're doing, mm-hmm. as opposed to the other side of it, which is, are they looking out for me and are they looking out for the team? Mm-hmm. It's a pretty, it's a pretty common, I would say, mentality to get into that you can just say, well, everything I do, I do for the team. And that's noble. I'm not putting that down. I will say as a coach, I found much more success in being able to put close to a similar amount of focus on each individual to let them know that I'm here for them. Mm -hmm. And that can be hard to do. Not every individual necessarily wants that level of attention and not every individual can you build that relationship with. But they are all unique and especially in a small community, everybody has something to offer to the team. So we talked about having both sides of these motivations. So um, like a good one for us to go through is, are you here to make your significant other look good? We are married. We are married. You play a lot. I do. You have a difficult position. And I think that you do a very good job of removing all doubt that you deserve the playing time that you get. You basically took on the fact that I'm the coach as a reason that you have to work harder than everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I I really strive to be the hardest working person at practice whenever possible. I, I, I try to put it out there that there should be no reason to doubt your coaching because I, I'm going to earn every minute of my playing time. As I have earned the team's trust in me by putting it out there every day at practice. Mm-hmm. And that, and thank God, because because it would make it would things awkward. Really, it would be really awkward. <laughs> it would be really awkward. I, 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 I feel bad for anybody who ever feels as a coach that they have to put themselves in a position where they have to defend why they gave playing time to their spouse or significant other. Like, that's a really tough position to be in. And um, you took it as a, you basically taken me coaching as a challenge that you have to be the hardest worker on the team. So nobody ever doubts that. Um, So that's been, that's been a good, you've made that easier for me. I really feel bad for the people out there who have to struggle with that. I can imagine it being a lot more difficult. Like, say your significant other is a newer skater. Maybe they're always Mm. on the cusp of making the roster or not. And you're being put in the position of, having to maybe be the deciding vote of whether or not they make the roster. And that's going to be a tough decision because if it's really close and you put them on the roster, are you showing favoritism? And if they don't, if you don't put them on the roster, you might have problems at home, depending on your relationship. That's that's a tough call for anyone to make. And that's why it's good to make as a group and not you 
like I think the way to solve that is never making it you being the like I am the tiebreaker, I am the last whatever. It should be a group decision so that you can protect yourself and show like, hey, I've got integrity. I've got the team's best interests at heart. We're making this decision together whether or not this person's going to make it. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that the number one issue that I had as a coach uh, when people questioned my motivation was probably the third one, um, which is, do I enjoy telling people what to do? Do I have a power complex or something of that nature? I honestly don't believe that's me, but I can also see that it only takes people believing that that's possible to mm-hmm. wear at it, 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 it doesn't break trust. It wears it down. It corrodes, it corrodes like their feelings about your integrity. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It I, just, it, 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 it chips away at the armor. I can speak to, um, the time I was a captain and I had an idea of what that position was. And I think in some aspects I ran it a little bit more military style. Like I I never yelled at people, but I was a little bit more like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And, um, I don't think I was as, as compassionate in the beginning as I could be. And I had to learn a lot about compassion, about how to make practice more fun. Cause I didn't come from a league that made fun, the top priority at all. And I had to learn that that shouldn't be the case everywhere. Um, there are different styles of derby and it's okay to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. Um, and- uh, I guess we can double back to the, are you here to date one? Um, that's, yeah, <laughs> that can make things awkward as if, if they're, seeing a lot of things going on at the after party and they're like, oh my God, they're just waiting until everyone gets drunk and then trying to pick one off. That's going to make people suspicious of why you're here. <laughs> it is. My personal approach on that, and I, I've i now worked around groups of women for most of my life, mm-hmm. and we've been in a relationship for 17 years-ish. Something like that. Eight? We've been married thirteen years. It might be eighteen years ish. Okay. We've been months. well, we've been together a long time. And <laughs> okay. you've basically put up with me having working and coaching relationships with a lot of other women throughout. Yeah. You've I mean, there are women out there who don't like the idea of their man spending time alone with any other woman. And I've spent a lot of time alone with other women. And uh I don't feel I've been questioned about that on any team at any point. And I think that's because I have a pretty I have a pretty clear compass on this. Now, I'm not here to judge how anybody else acts in an after-party situation, in what's supposed to be a celebratory situation. But personally, I've found that there's so much coaching that's done at after parties. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm available before and after every practice, and yet I rarely have an like a serious coaching talk at most practices after about at an after party, suddenly people, they have a drink and they feel accomplished and, or they feel frustrated and they really want it. They want to have a serious talk. You, you got, you, you know, out there, everybody out there knows those serious drunk talkers, right? Mm -hmm. Uh I have a long conversation now. And sometimes they have a lot of confidence 
And sometimes when, especially when the game or their own personal playtime or play didn't go as well as they hoped, they are very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And how you treat that as a coach, I think is going to say everything about your real motivations. I don't drink at after parties very often. I rarely have more than one drink. And it's rare I even, like, I have one drink every, like, maybe a couple times a year, and I rarely have more than one. Because I need to be myself, and I need to be completely in control of what I say to each person if they're in that vulnerable state. As if I you say to. the wrong thing, it could absolutely come back on you later because you're maybe a little bit under the influence, and sometimes the wrong thing comes out. And you know that you're going to be just as judged at an after party after drinking as you would be at a regular practice for what you said, what people remember you saying. Yep. Uh, and on the same note, I definitely would never drink before coming to practice or have a drink at practice or anything of that nature. Um, I show up in complete control of my own, of my, of myself. And as a coach, I stay in the moment with each person and I make very clear what my role is. You know, I, I want you to succeed. Mm -hmm. I, that is what I am here for. I, I am here for the team's success, and I'm here for you as a part of it. I, I can't tell you which one's equal because every now and then I have to balance the scales on that. But I do want you to know that that's what I'm here for, and that anything that you say to me, you can trust that I am listening, that this is important to me, and that I want this to work, and that I want to see you enjoy this experience because I believe it's a lot more than a sport. I believe that the experiences we have in the sport transcend practice bout day, that they make us better members of our families, better members of our communities, better everything mm -hmm. for these experiences, better people, better human beings. That's yeah, what I, we I see to what do. you're doing. <laughs> That's like you listen to it sometimes. Every now and then. Uh, and the last one on that part was the, are you here because you need other people to like you? If you're the type of leader who really needs to accommodate everyone all the time, but can't make a hard decision that would be for the best of the team, like people are going to see that they're going to notice and they're going to wonder if you have a backbone and what you're really here for. If you just are caving in all the time or, or doing things that seem deliberately to maybe, maybe buy friendship, like curry favor or something like, I don't know if I'm saying it right. It's okay to be here to make friends. It's That's not okay. It's not okay to make your decisions around what people will like or not like. Now you can tweak, you can tweak the way you give the message mm -hmm. to what will make somebody more likely to accept bad news or deal with a tough situation better. And that's just being a good, that's just being a good supportive person. But you can't change what is the right decision to get more people to enjoy you. And I will tell you straight up, if you are joining, uh, if you are taking on a job like coach or captain to get people to like you, that is the wrong job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because you're going to be put in a tough spot where you have to choose between one person and another person being on a roster, between this person's playing time and this person's playing time in the moment, who you're going to send out in a tough moment. And these these decisions have consequences, and you're not going to get everybody to like you because someone is always going to be disappointed. You can't 
it's, it's impossible to please everyone. And if you keep trying to do that, you're going to, I mean, destroy yourself too. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be hard. <laughs> and, and it's a cliche that they don't have to like you, but they have to respect you. Um, people say that pretty often when it talks to, when you talk about coaching and really, and leadership one, they don't have to respect you. No. Things can go very, very poorly and they will if they don't, but nobody's required to, you have to earn that. Mm-hmm. And I think that you'll find that if you do make those decisions that disappoint people and make people unhappy, but your reasons are clear mm-hmm. and fair your reasons are understood and understood and with the support of your team you don't make these decisions alone mm-hmm. that that is what people will respect about you mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i guess in this conversation the ways to lose trust respect is basically another word for that in this podcast like trust respect either way it's, it kind of comes down to the same thing here and it has to be earned and it can be lost in any of these methods. We are going to take one more quick break before we finish out our list. Want to know how you can support our podcast and look super cool doing it? Visit our store at powerforthwhistle.threadless.com. We have something for everyone. Whether you like designs that make you feel powerful, like roller derby strong, to cartoon animals on roller skates like cats, elephants, llamas, and more. Our three newest styles include sloth roller derby, naps before laps, I utterly love roller derby, and giver of fox, for all of you out there who give a fox. Our store is full of super soft t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, accessories, and more. You get to pick the color and style. It's all up to you. And you can support this podcast. Visit our store, powerforthwhistle.threadless.com. That's P-O-W-E-R, the number four, T-H-W-H-I-S-T-L-E dot threadless.com. Thank you for your support. All right, we're back. We've got two more on this list. And the sixth way you can lose trust with your team is by applying labels to players. It can also be volunteers, other people in the organization, but we're mostly going to talk about it in regards to players. This can be some people are good at this, some people are bad, and you have trouble seeing them on a spectrum or the evolution of their game because maybe last year they weren't quote-unquote good at jamming, but it's been a year and they worked on it a lot since then, but you haven't seen the progress because they were bad to you at some point in time. So they're always going to be bad and not a person you would put out in an important moment. Mm-hmm. So this one is basically, as a coach, trying to do it from the other side. I, I mean, it just sounds evil, right? Labeling players. Oh. Like, like you put a stamp on them and they can't get it off. A scarlet letter type situation, right? Yeah. But mentally... A lot of us, because it's a lot of work to know our so many people, to show up all the time, and to always have like an interest in their game and their development, we create shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And those are important. Um, when you are having a talk 
about the game that's this weekend with your captains about who's going to play what and where and what their strengths are. You have to be able to talk about that player as they are today. But as your coach, you don't want to lock that in. Well, yeah, once you apply mm-hmm. a label, you've immediately established a closed mindset. It's it's, it's fixed. Mm-hmm. It's fixed on this, and there isn't growth involved at all. I've talked about this before on the podcast. Um, I've had people, they joke about, you know, I've got a, a bad leg and a good leg, and I always tell them, like, no, no. What you've got is you've got um, a good foot and a foot that is still learning, a foot that is on the brink of achieving greatness and it's just working on it a little bit because then that foot still has potential. That foot still has hope. That foot could still do something great one day. But if you always say it's your bad foot, it's not going to make it because it's just stuck there in perpetuity in your mind. Mm -hmm. And plenty of players let other players or plenty of coaches let other players get stuck in a certain spot in their mind. And a player can tell. Mm -hmm. Like they can tell if if you only see them as a certain level uh a b a b player or a c player as a, as opposed to a potential a teamer mm-hmm. so as a as a coach i feel like i owe everybody who puts in the time who shows up to work hard at practice i owe them some optimism from me that they can be amazing that they can be great that they can be that I I look at every player, even I try to look at even the newest players, like with the right effort and with the, the right enthusiasm, if they, if they do it, if they really go for it, they could be the best player on the team. Mm -hmm. And I try to remember that even when I'm talking about them in such lines as I don't think they can pat, like they, they haven't passed their 25 and five. So we, so we shouldn't add them to this charter Mm -hmm. because we have a spot open for somebody who is faster. Even when I'm talking about that player in that moment, like that is just a moment. You mm-hmm. have to be willing to adjust your view based on what they are doing. Because as soon as you just get in your head that a player is X, that player will know it when you talk to them. I feel like one of the worst things that a coach can do to a player who comes up to them and talk tells them about what they're trying to accomplish is be like, so, so say a player approaches and says, I want to be a jammer someday or, mm-hmm. and I also would like to be trusted as a pivot and I want to be a captain someday, like all of these things mm-hmm. and a coach, a very coachy response or something that might just come off the top of your head if you're not listening or not thinking about how it sounds is why don't we focus on getting you onto a roster? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, what I heard is one, it's true. You do have to get on a roster first. But what they heard is you don't see me as that. You don't see me having that potential. Yep. Like, they're like, I want to be a jammer. You're like, ah, oh, you're a blocker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, And the first response, quite honestly, if I'm doing things well, I do make mistakes. I want to, I want to point that out. But if I'm doing things well, the first response should pretty much always be that you can do anything you want to. Mm-hmm. You can be whatever you need to be. You you just have to work really hard at it, and you have to prove to your team that you can do it. The opportunity that I'm talking about giving everybody, that optimistic opportunity to be their best self, that opportunity is practice. Mm-hmm. You show up at practice, and you show what you can do, and you do it again and again and again. A lot of people see the opportunity 
as the big game. Mm-hmm. No, the big game is where we do what we've already proven we can do at practice. Yep. Yes. So don't don't hear that opportunity thing and think that just out of nowhere I'm going to be like, well, I guess I believe in so-and-so today to take down the big jam against our arch rival in crunch time. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. I believe in Jackie Bauer to take down the big <laughs> jam in our arch rival at crunch time because we practiced it. And she mm-hmm. showed up and crushed every opportunity that she possibly could. Week after week, Wednesday and Monday and Sunday night after <laughs> Wednesday, Monday and Sunday night. And that's what it's about. Yeah. So like the positive side of that, like other ways you can demonstrate that would be somebody comes to you and says like, this is my dream. You can help lay out the steps for, okay, well, what do you think is, is it, what's it going to take for you to get there? And you can talk about it together. You can ask them questions and help them find the steps, the building blocks, show them the path to this. Like maybe you haven't passed your laps yet, but you want to be star jammer for the team. So what I want you to do is I want you to really work on these crossovers and I want you to really work on your mindset and your ability to go as long as possible. And I want you to be aggressive and attack and like, cause it's hard work and the right mindset can get you anywhere. But some, if you give them the steps and be like, if this is what you want, I am on board. Here's what it's going to take. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Show me you can do this. And I've got your back. <laughs> like, I'll help you get there. I'll, I, sometimes I offer to work with people on the side on things if, if they're trying to break out of the mold of one idea someone has of them to get into another one. Um, but, it, you know, it takes a little bit of extra work if you're trying to break somebody's label that they have of you. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, and the last way to break the team's trust in you is we're going to call this lacking empathy or apathy. This could be not caring about someone's personal problems or limitations. Like if somebody stops showing up to practice, just being like, well, I'm going to coach the people who are there. This person's not here today, whatever. But a person who has empathy might reach out and check on that person. Like, especially if they've missed multiple practices to be like, Hey, I, I care about you. What's going on. I'm not trying to bug you, but if there's anything I can do to help, can you let me know? Um, so the apathy would be like, you know, not caring when somebody's not showing up. It would be not being able to see things from another person's point of view when you're dealing with them. Uh, for example, you have a hardened rule on this team, which is you can come to me anytime, any day. You can call me on Christmas if you want to talk about something with the team. But the only time we don't like complain or try to alter things is on bout day. We don't mess with bout day. We don't mess with our mindset, our team mindset on bout day. And that's the thing we have. And, you know, if you're someone who's messing with people on bout day... I would call that as maybe you are missing empathy right now because everyone's trying so hard to get into the right headspace to perform at their best today and somebody's messing with them, poking them, bothering them about things that aren't that important today and stressing them out, it's going to mess them up on game day. And they're not thinking about that. They're only thinking about, oh, we need to solve this problem. Maybe it's not a problem that needs to be solved right now and they're forgetting how they might be affecting the other person when they bring it up. Yeah, I 
I see it a lot differently, like when dealing with an entire with an entire group. Mm -hmm. um, so this one is a fine line mm -hmm. because you will encounter people as a leader that can use this almost against you if you're too emotionally involved and care about people too much because they like the attention. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you risk if you pretty much just set rules and tell people what to do and remain inflexible and basically say, don't come to me with your problems, just kind of do what I say, just show up, perform. Then if you come off cold, if you come off uninvested in the individual, that's the that's the sort of apathy that I'm talking about. Like when when you literally act as if it doesn't matter who shows up, when they show up, how they show up, or anything like that. And instead just say, well, if if they're not here, if they're not trying, then I've done my job. And mm -hmm. that's it. You know, it's kind of a hands up in the air. I I don't I can't control what's going on outside of this practice. I can't control why somebody isn't showing up or why they're showing up late or why they're showing up in a bad headspace. So I'm just going to say that's their responsibility and I'm going to have nothing to do with it. Now, don't get it wrong. It is their responsibility. I'm very intense that I, I'm very insistent that we take ownership of that responsibility because the only way you can own your success is if you get there with your own effort. It's That's really important to me. Everybody who plays for me has to be able to own that success that they kind of drove their own, that they climbed that mountain, okay? But they don't do it alone. Nobody gets to do something this amazing alone. Nobody can kind of... I, I would I would be hard pressed to find anybody out there who can complete this derby journey in an amazing way and really literally be able to say that they did it alone. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, somehow, somehow you had to get yourself to practice. Somehow you had to afford these skates. You had to get out there. Um somewhere along the lines, like to set yourself up for the success, there's probably a supportive spouse, significant other, supportive parents, supportive friends, somebody who got you into it and somebody who picks you up when you fall and hopefully a supportive coach along the way. And honestly, if you're lucky, that's something that you'll have. So you have to walk the line between people have to take responsibility for themselves, but you do have to, like if they are a person who is in this, if they are part of your team and your community, you should care about what they're going through. You should care enough to let them know. They should know that they are missed and that we want, if, if there's something we can do to help, like something reasonable that we can do to help, that we are there for them. And if people send you, like, it's really hard to get those messages, the ones saying why people aren't coming to practice or why they need time off or things of that nature as a coach. It's, I, I get so many of them and it's really easy to just want to put your phone down and not think about that. It's harder to reach out and say, I understand you need to take care of, you know, whatever's going on, but even taking a moment to do that, to show that you are willing to step out of the um, commander kind of bubble mm -hmm. and be a personal coach as well as a team coach that builds trust on an individual level. So when you ask your team for trust, they know that you 
deserve it because you care enough about them to want to see them, to want to see what is best for them. And mm-hmm. that's not always going to be being at derby practice. Mm-hmm. That's probably a pretty big subject of when you should probably shouldn't be at derby practice. Um, maybe that's another podcast for someday. Um, but just don't don't become cold. This job can make you cold. It can because people will you'll feel let down. You'll feel heartbroken when they step away when. Uh, somebody you've invested a lot in doesn't work out when they, you know, this stuff happens. And everybody, like I said, in the labeling part, deserves that optimism. And everybody deserves um, to have people with them on this journey, supporting them along the way. Being supportive instead of being apathetic is a big deal that builds trust from your team. Well, that was way better than what I said. Good job, Dan. That's why you're on the podcast. <laughs> Soapbox rant. Sorry. End rant. No, it's good when you feel strongly about things to be able to express that. And uh, with that, I think we have come to the end of our list. Thank you so much for listening today. And uh, another reminder, please, if you would like to participate in next week's episode on Bout Day Rituals, send me a voice message or an email or a message of any regular kind. I'd love to hear the voice messages, though, because I've never gotten to use it, and I think that would be pretty swell. Uh, Big thank you to Hanthrax and Skella237 for your reviews this week on Apple Podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to get other people to find the podcast. It really makes my day every time I see a review. And um, it's the best way for me to actually hear feedback about what you're thinking about the episodes and stuff. You can tell me about your favorites, what you're looking for, how you found it, anything. Um, We can be found anywhere podcasts are heard. Like our Facebook page, where you can find fun videos, memes, and more at facebook.com slash power through fourth whistle. That's P-O-W-E-R-T-H-R-U, the number four, T-H-W-H-I-S-T-L-E. Follow on Instagram, Twitter, at power fourth whistle. And yeah, we have been talking about Derby and sharing Derby thoughts. Pew, pew. Was I supposed to pew pew? I think you missed your cue on the pew pew. Do you want to try again? But I just did it now. Doesn't that count? Okay, let's do it. One, two, three. Pew! Pew. Okay, one, two, three. Pew pew! Pew pew. pew. You suck at this. (laughs) (laughs) But I believe you can grow. You're, you're not stuck at this forever. Oh, no, no. I did that on purpose. I thought it would be funny. What are you doing this summer? Well, I'm going to go to a roller derby clinic at the end of June to get some learning from Miss Team Maven. Kingsford Crush Roller Derby is hosting a Miss Team Maven boot camp on June 29th and 30th at Mountain View Ice Arena in Iron Mountain, Michigan. Misty Maven is a star jammer for Gotham Girls Roller Derby All-Stars. Uh, I guess they're okay. And coaches boot camps and clinics nationally and internationally. She has also skated for New York All-Stars at those state versus state tournaments and at RollerCon in the big East versus West game where the skaters are voted on by the roller derby community. She'd be on Team East. 
I guess she's pretty cool. I have taken a couple classes with her at RollerCon and I can guarantee you're actually gonna have a lot of fun and learn a bunch. But don't take my word for it. You can also check out testimonials of other people at MissTMaven.com. This training camp is $80 for skaters, which includes a scrimmage shirt, and $40 for off-skates attendance. This camp will go over jamming and blocking skills, strategy and concepts, and end with a fun scrimmage. On Skates is limited to 60 skaters, and spots will go fast, so reserve your ticket now. I've included all the links in the show notes so you can just click and go. And how's this for a bonus? Kingsford Crush is also hosting a free ref and NSO clinic at the same time. They plan to discuss the newest rule changes and updates, casebook scenarios, and other relevant topics. What are you waiting for? I've got all the sign-up links for everything in the show notes. So that's June 29th and 30th at the Mountain View Ice Arena in Iron Mountain, Michigan, hosted by Kingsford Crush Roller Derby. And you could learn something from Miss T. Maven. See you there.